You know, I got to imagine that it makes the Lord feel good when we participate, don't you think? I mean, how, how much do you think we impact heaven by our worship? Do you ever think about that? How much we impact heaven by our worship? I think we impact it a lot because I think that it's our choice. It's our freedom to choose to worship. I think that motivates God in many ways to come down and visit upon us because of our choices. You know, and he's given us so much freedom. I thank the Lord for the freedom that he's given us. And I just want to make sure that I use my freedoms to glorify him. Amen? Does that make sense? That we would use our freedoms not to disappoint him, not for him to say, guys, I've given you so much. Where are you? I, I, would, ever ha- I would hate to think that, that, that the Lord would le- ever look down in my life and say, Mike, I've given you so much. Why don't you thank me? Why don't you praise me? Of all that I've given you. Man, I hope he never looks at me with that kind of a question. And I hope he doesn't look upon this church that way either. That we can always be thankful. Because he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Well, I want to speak this morning on the Holy Spirit a little bit more. And today I want to talk about the gifts and the fruit. I want to talk about the gifts and the fruit. We've been talking about how the Holy Spirit is the active agent of the Trinity on earth. God the Father and Jesus the Son are in heaven sharing the presence of each other as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he's busy making intercession for us. He's busy praying for us. While the Holy Spirit has been given to us by Jesus to be our advocate and to be our comforter and to be our helper while we're here on earth. And he is the active agent that wants to draw us into relationship with him better. As we've been talking about that, we've talked about a couple of the roles of the responsibility so far. The one, the first role, and probably the, the biggest role that the Holy Spirit has is to lead us to Jesus and to make us more Christ-like. It's his drawing. The Holy Spirit draws you and me to Jesus. In the first place, he's the one that convicts us of our sin and makes us aware that we have there's a big gap between us and God. It's the Holy Spirit's presence that informs us of that. And then he enables us to see Jesus as our Savior, brings us into that relationship. And then his role after that is to make us more Christ-like. Last week we talked about that the Holy Spirit is the giver of knowledge and wisdom and how important it is that we have both knowledge and wisdom But wisdom is really an application of the knowledge that we have. And there is a worldly knowledge and a worldly wisdom. And there is a spiritual knowledge and a spiritual wisdom. And we need to make sure that we're focused in on the right one. Because if we we focus on worldly knowledge and worldly wisdom, that leads to death and destruction. That's what the Bible says. But spiritual wisdom and spiritual knowledge lead us to life. Today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit being the giver of both gifts and the one that helps us produce fruit. And we're going to talk about the differences of the two because they're, they are different. They work together, but they're different. And, I, it's, and it's important that we recognize that 
Um, we need to have an active role in one of these and the receiver of the other one. <laughs> so what's the difference between the fruits and the gifts? Well, one is given as a gift. That's why it's called the gift of the Spirit. A gift is something that is given to you, whereas fruit is intentionally grown or produced. It takes an effort to grow fruit. Why does the Bible classify them differently? Well, because they're very different in how they are given and acquired, yet they work very closely together. And I will say over the past week or so as I've been studying this part of it, I've been trying to figure out how to um, discern and how to figure out how they really work together and is there a prerequisite of one over the other? Does one come first? It's like a chicken or the egg. Does the chicken come first or the egg come first? And, and so forth. And fruit and gifts, which comes first? And, and does it make a difference? Is one more important than the other? And what I'm finding out is I don't know. <laughs> I think yes and no. I think yes, they are. That, that one does come before the other in some cases, and in other cases, no. But I do know that they work very close hand in hand. And they're very important that we need to understand how we need to depend on God as giving us the Holy Spirit to give us the gifts of the Spirit so that we could then grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And in the other case, sometimes we need to have the fruit in our life already grown so that we can then receive the gift that God has given us. So they work really closely together. And I want to um, just talk about them this morning. One thing they do work together on is that they are both given for the body of Christ. They're both given to build up the body, not the person in other words, I can have all the gifts of the Spirit and I can have all the fruit of the Spirit, but it's not all about me. It's about me growing up in the fruit of the Spirit and having the gifts of the Spirit so that I can minister to you and that you can minister to me and that you can minister to those around you because it's not about us getting all the gifts and all the fruit so that we can look and say, God, look how good I am, or look how, look how spiritual I am, or look how productive I am. Because when I start taking my eyes off of Jesus and putting them on me, I'm making myself the center point of my life. And as soon as I become the center point of my life, things get out of control. We need to focus on Christ as being the center of our life, and that means that the gifts and the fruit are all about how he uses them to build up the church and to win the community for those that are lost. Amen? Make sense so far? We're still tracking. You agree with me so far? Well, good. Then let's keep on going. Let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, why does God give gifts? For what? For us to use for him? Somebody else? Huh? Because he loves us. Why, why do you give gifts to your children? Do you love them? <laughs> I hope so. Most of the time. <laughs> but we want them to have good things in their life so that they can have a good life. We want to help them be successful. We want to train them and help them, and gifts are part of it. But let me ask another question. Do your children earn gifts? 
Are they earned? Do they deserve the gift? No, if they had to earn the gift, it wouldn't be a gift, it would be a wage. You earn wages, but you're given gifts. So a gift is something that's given to you without you having to work for it. It's important that we realize that, because otherwise it becomes, again, so much about me, about what I'm doing to deserve the gifts that God gives me. It has nothing to do with me. The gifts have nothing to do with you. The gifts are all about God giving us gifts. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, you're all evil, I want you to know it, you're all evil. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So we have it right there. Jesus is saying, guys, we as human fathers and mothers, we in our evil or in the, good, the, the best we can be, we give good gifts to our children. Imagine how much more God wants to give good gifts to us as his children. Not because our children have earned them or not because I deserve them or earned them from God either, but simply because he's in love with me. He's in love with you. He loves you so much that he wants to give you a gift of good things that will help build the church. And you know what? Here's the beautiful thing is that when he does that, it builds you up too. We all benefit when we use them properly. He wants only the best for his children. And therefore, he provides gifts for us to use to help build up others. And just as parents will do whatever we can to build up our children individually and as a family, God wants to give us gifts that we will build ourselves up and build the church up so that we can be whole and complete, not lacking anything. So what are the gifts I'm talking about? Let's, talk, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's many gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. I'm going to focus in on this chapter today. Not to say that these are the only gifts, but these are the ones that I want to focus on today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7 through 11. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, so there's a message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretations. The first thing that Paul says about them is he defines their purpose as to be given for the common good. Now what does that mean? The common good of who? The common good means the church. He's given the gifts to edify 
the church and to build the church up. The gifts are given to a person to be used in a particular situation to help build up others. And like I said already, when we help other people, it helps us as well. I think we all know how good you feel after you've done something good for somebody else. Right? The old story, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It really is. When you go out of the way, out of your way to help somebody, it makes you feel good about yourself. It makes you feel good. It gives you a purpose. It gives you a sense of accomplishment and a sense of fulfillment. And that's what these gifts are intended to do. Now, it's important to know that, that not every person will be given the same gift or may not be given the same gift in the same amount. God gives them as he determines them. That's what it says in this, in this passage. It says that um, these gifts are the, for the work of one and the same spirit, and God and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. He has a plan. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family. And he, has a, and he determines who gives what, not arbitrarily, but to fulfill his plan. Now let's talk about gifts for a minute. Are they given and are, or are they earned? Gifts, are they given or are they earned? The receiver can't take any credit for the gift. That's the beautiful thing about gifts is that I don't have any control into what my parents give me. I don't have any control over what God gives me. He sees me to be used in a particular situation and he gives me the gifts I need to have to work that particular situation for the common good of the people that I'm with at that particular time. Is age or maturity a requirement? What do you think about that? I don't think so. I think a person newly saved can operate in a gift. I don't think that you have to earn your stripes necessarily. And why I say that is, how many here have ever given gifts in a baby shower? Andrea has. Did that baby deserve them? Did that baby do anything to deserve that gift? No, but you gave the gift anyway, right? So gifts are given irregardless of whether they deserve them or not. Gifts are given because they're needed. Someday that baby will need that gift, whatever that gift was. Here's some other things about gifts. Gifts can be rejected or they can be misused. It doesn't diminish the value of the gift, however. I can give somebody a $50 bill and they may blow it. They may waste it. They may gamble it away and lose it but it doesn't diminish the value of that $50 bill, does it? Just because it's wasted, just because it's misused, doesn't mean that it's not valuable. The other thing that gifts are given, they're given properly, they're given without strings. How many people have been given something with a string attached? Yeah, and what is that gift used at, at that point in time? What's it used to do? It's used to manipulate you. We've all been given gifts by somebody, maybe, that they give it to you, then they want to tell you how to use it. Or, um, and how it's to benef- it, it basically is to benefit the one that gave you the gift. They're, they're using it to manipulate you. God doesn't use gifts in that way. I think one of the biggest risks that God takes in giving his children good gifts is the fact that he will allow us to misuse the gift. 
He will allow us to waste the gift. He will allow us to reject the gift. That's the power that he's given of choice. He trusts us the fact that he's going to give us a good gift and he wants us to be able to use the gift and honor the gift and give dignity to the gift and give holy reverence to the gift, but he gives you the ability to use it or waste it. Let me just leave it there right now. He gives us gifts as a way to accomplish his plans, yet man always has the choice to either abuse the gifts or to waste them or reject them. And that's what makes our relationship to God so unique. That's why he loves us as much as he does when he sees us using the gifts that please him. We'll come back to this point a little bit later because we can misuse, abuse, or reject gifts. And we'll talk about what happens if we do that. But let's talk about fruit now for a bit, the fruit of the Spirit. And let's understand what fruit is and how it compares or differs from gifts. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, same with me, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as we discuss the fruit of the Spirit, notice that there is no restriction as to who bears the fruit. He doesn't say here that God distributes the fruit to those whom he chooses. The fruit of the Spirit is given to all men, all people. And we're going to talk about how the fruit is given and how it's produced. Each person is to bear fruit as much as they can. There is no limit to how much fruit you can bear or I can bear. So what is fruit? Let's talk about the differences. Fruit is produced or grown, not given as a gift is given. That means that there is a process required to to produce fruit before it's harvested or before it's given. There's something that has to happen, something that has to This fruit has to be planted and nurtured and grown before it's harvested. Fruit requires an intentional effort to grow and to produce. It doesn't happen by itself. Fruit takes time to mature. It takes patience for fruit to ripen on a tree. We we see it in the springtime here with all the cherry trees and apple trees that blossom. It's beautiful as we see the, air, the cherry trees and the apple trees blossom, but we can't eat the blossoms. There's no value in the blossoms. But if I don't have the blossoms, I won't have the apple, or I won't have the cherry later. It's the process where that, that fruit has to um, develop on the limb and on the bud, and then it has to grow over the season, and it has to get bigger, and it has to ripen. How many have ever had a sour apple? How many have ever eaten an apple off a tree before it's ripe? Not very good, is it? But yet, give that fruit a little bit more time on that tree, and it turns red, and it, gets, it, it just gets bigger, and it, it ripens, and it gets sweeter. And all of a sudden, give it a few days, and it's really sweet, and it's really good. It takes time for fruit to ripen. And it does that same way in a Christian sometimes as well. People get saved right away. That doesn't mean they're mature right away. Their fruit has to take some time to ripen on that person because a person that comes out of a really 
uh, a bad lifestyle or a very um, evil lifestyle. They may be redeemed, but their fruit has to change. And it takes some time sometimes, most of the time, in fact, before that fruit will actually uh, be ripe and be ready to be, to be used for other people. The other thing that has to happen is care has to be given to protect the fruit from damage, from disease or bugs. Um, if you take a wild apple tree and don't spray it, Jim, you're a, you've got a small apple orchard. Do you have to take care of those trees? What happens, what happens if you didn't spray the trees? Yeah, so you have, to sp- you have to spray them a few times throughout the year to keep them to keep the apples healthy, right? To protect them from bugs, diseases. And that's similar to a Christian's life, right? We, we're on the way to self. We, we get saved, but now we have to develop the fruit in our life and we have to protect it from the enemy that would want to come in and want, would want to throw worms and throw all kinds of um, diseases and pestilence and anything that would want to hinder the fruit from growing. Then fruit trees need to be pruned to increase the, the yield. This is, sounds like a, a tough one because here you might have um, a perfectly healthy branch that bears lots of leaves but doesn't bear any fruit. So a good farmer will have to come along, inspect his trees, and look at the tree and see, well, okay, there's a really healthy-looking branch but no fruit, and all that branch is really doing is sucking the life out of that tree that it should be going to a fruit-bearing branch that has a lot of buds, has a lot of apples on it. And so the farmer will go and he'll cut off the branch that isn't bearing any fruit. might look nice. It might have lots of leaves on it, but there's no fruit. So he cuts it off. Trees are trimmed uh, to, get, to protect the fruit-bearing limbs and make them more healthy and uh, Boy, I'll tell you what, there is a great lesson in our life for God coming along to our fruit and our life and our tree. And there are some things that we need to um, be aware of that God will um, prune us a little bit. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Chad, would you get that microphone again, please? And would you read this? This talks about God being the gardener in our vineyard. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Thank you. That just fit in so well with what we were talking today about how we need to be a part of the vine and how we need to remain a part of the body of Christ. Because as long as we're connected to the vine, we'll have life. But it's staying a part of the body of Christ. And I think that's where the enemy truly wants to to, uh, distract and destroy us. Because if he can get us separated from the body of Christ, if he can get us out and live on our own, and if we can try to bear fruit on our own, it might seem like it's working for a while. 
It might seem productive for a little bit, but it won't be long and you're going to lose your nutrients. You're going to lose the ability to bear fruit because it won't last because you can't bear fruit on your own unless you're connected to the vine. The vine is Jesus, but also it's the body of Christ. We are to stay connected together and work together and be unified together so that we can support each other and that we can be there to pick each other up when we fall and encourage each other and celebrate with each other at the same time. Fruit results from the life of a tree. Fruit doesn't bear, doesn't come from a dead limb. Fruit is the result of life. And so when the tree and the vine and the branch are all connected and working and healthy together, it can produce great fruit. And that's why we need to stay connected into Christ. It takes time for the fruit to grow and mature. Uh, It doesn't happen overnight. I think that's something that we need to be patient on with people. I think many times we can be impatient that people have to grow up quickly and be like me. Uh, Well, I think at that, if that's the case, I think that we're, um, not, we're hurting the person because it takes time. And fruit trees, and they have to go through stress. In fact, uh, the healthiest trees are the trees that probably have to uh, go through a, a little bit of a, of, of a, a drought where, they, that, uh, where they, they search their roots deep into the, get to the water and they go deep into the ground because then when the winds come and the storms of life come, that tree will be stronger to support themselves in the storms. So it's, it's, there's just many things about fruit and how they have to be part of our responsibility, different than a gift. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, it all is something that we all have to be a part of and have to have in our life. And it's up to us to develop it. And I think this is where um, you need to look at God and see what God's doing in your life. He may be taking some areas of your life and pruning you a little bit. Do you know what that means? Where the Lord would actually prune your life a little bit? Maybe you have excess. Maybe you have some excess in your life, some excess time or, re- or resources or something that you're cherishing (laughs) that you're putting much value in but there may not be any eternal fruit there and you think it's important you spend a lot of time doing that you spend a lot of priority building up that part of your life and God's looking at it he's saying but Mike there's not a lot of fruit I don't see anything that's really eternal everlasting there so for your own benefit I'm going to lop it off and you might find that you may have some things in your life being lopped off and so here's your choice Here's your, here's your reaction. Here's your, 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 ch- your choices. You can either get mad at God and you can say, God, that was what I was working on. That was a part of my life that I thought was really important. I was spending a lot of time developing that and God said, yeah, but it was to your detriment. So you can either be angry at God and say, God, well, then I'm going to quit serving you. Then I'm just going to give up on you. I'm going to go do it my way then because it was important to me. And God's saying, but it wasn't long-term for you. It wasn't eternal for you. Trust me in this. Let go of some of those things in your life and make the real priorities important that will last forever. And when we do that, if we choose to trust God, and you know, it, this might come in the form of an illness. It may come in the form of a, maybe a job loss or maybe a, a, a demotion or a layoff or whatever it is. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is, how God uses it, but God can trim the excess off of us in order for us to get stronger because it makes our roots go deeper in him. Does that make sense? That we actually learn to trust him more as our source of our life, not our income 
or not our hobbies or whatever that thing was that was taking all your time. And I'm not even saying it's bad. I'm not even saying it was immoral or wrong. It just may not be eternal because we can chase after a lot of things that have no eternal significance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you think of any in your life? I can think of some of my life and there are some things that, it's not that they're wrong and it's not that God's saying, I'm taking it all. No, I think he'll give you a balance. We just have to recognize what that balance is. And as soon as it gets over, over lopsided one way or the other, don't be surprised if he comes with a pair of sh- a, a loppers and he lops something off your life. Rejoice because it's proving to you that he loves you. It may be in the form of discipline. Hebrews chapter 12 talks to us about a father that disciplines his child. He disciplines them because he loves them. God loves you enough to discipline you. He loves me enough to discipline me. That's a good thing, by the way. Don't get upset if God is disciplining you through maybe a friend giving you a a stern word, maybe a rebuke, maybe a question in your life about, is that really necessary? Are you doing the right things? Are you reading God's word? Are you praying? Rather than get offended by that, you might want to say, well, thank you. I needed that. I needed that encouragement. I needed that redirection. That is how the Lord trims us. And that's how he brings better fruit into our life. And that's how our fruit ripens. It is an intentional effort on my part to allow my fruit to ripen. See, and fruit has many benefits. The benefit of fruit is that it, it's intended to reproduce. It's intended to reproduce in like kind. We've, been, we've talked about reaping and sowing, right? If you sow a corn seed, a corn kernel, you can expect to reap a corn kernel, not a carrot, right? So fruit is intended to produce. Not only is it intended to produce in like kind, but it also produces in the life of people. Because if you have an apple tree, we know deer love apples, right? So the deer will come around and they'll pick up the apples off the ground and what was wasted necessarily, well, the deer will eat and it will bring nourishment into their life. We nourish other people through our fruit. We nourish people. We help them. We encourage them. Now at the beginning of the message, we talked about how important it is that these gifts and these fruit work together in the life of the believer. They work together. God's gifts and God's fruit that we grow work together. Because gifts can be misused and abused or rejected. And when they are, there can be great harm done to the body. I understand that. I think we all can think of examples where people have misapplied or misused or abused some of the gifts that God has given them. And when that happens, many people can lose faith. Many people can reject God. There can be false teachers and false leaders that can lead many down the wrong path. One of the commentaries that I read about this says this. It says, some of the most dangerous people in the church are those who attempt to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without first developing the fruit of the Spirit. Now here's a good example of maybe one should be developed before the other is given. He says, because they become mean-spirited, pride-filled, and arrogant in their attempt to use a spiritual gift, this group brings a reproach on this great movement of the Holy Spirit. True, mature believers are full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if the choice is made to misuse a gift out of, uh, out of anger or out of abuse, God allows that to happen. And I 
wonder why sometimes that he does. But God allows people to use the gifts that he's given to them, intended to produce good things, and people get hurt by it. That doesn't diminish the value of the gift. Understand that it doesn't diminish the value of the gift because somebody misapplies it. If somebody gives you a counterfeit $50 bill, does that mean you don't use a real $50 bill? If, if somebody gave you a counterfeit $50 bill, are you going to assume that all the other $50 bills are counterfeit as well? I don't think so. I think you'll get as many $50 bills as you can get. You probably will inspect them to make sure it's not counterfeit, but it doesn't diminish the value. And I think this is why this particular passage in Matthew chapter 7 is maybe one of the harder ones that we can understand maybe but it's because God gives us the ability to misuse things, things that he intended for good things, that he also gives us a warning. This is a, this is a big verse, and I think we need to be very careful how we listen to this and how we use it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, but I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. God gives gifts to those that are maybe immature sometimes. And maybe he's asking those, that person to use that gift wisely. And if we don't use the gift wisely, this is what can happen. Does that make sense? Are we seeing this? So it's important that, God, that we recognize that God gives us good gifts. And I know it's hard to accept the fact that we may not use them wisely. But God loves us enough, and he's patient with you, he's patient with me, that he's willing to forgive us when we do and if we do. Jackie, would you come? I'm not asking you today how much knowledge you have. You can just come and start to play. We'll start closing. I'm not going to ask you if you're using your gifts wisely. I'm not asking you that, Jackie. But as we're studying the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's so important that we see how they work together and how we are to seek the gifts. We're to seek every good gift that God would choose to give us so that we can carefully use it. And then we can also grow as much fruit as we can. We need to have fruit in our life. We need love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Even though sometimes they're hard to grow, we need them. Can you have enough love? Can you have too much long-suffering? Can you have too much self-control? Can you ever have too much kindness, too much goodness? Can you have too much faithfulness? I don't think so. I don't think we can ever have too much of the gifts that God gives us in the form of fruit. And he wants us to develop this. He wants us to nourish this and to, and to protect our, our vineyard. So this morning, I would just ask us to seek the Lord in all of his goodness. Recognize how important it is that he has all these things for us. And as we seek the Holy Spirit, I mean, that we really seek him. That we seek him to give us the good things that he has for us. Seek him in the power that he has for us. And then do our best to nurture the fruit in our life. And then trust him with the results. Trust him if he's going to lap something off maybe of your life, that he's going to prune you a little bit. Would you close your eyes with me, please?
Are we living a lifestyle that grows healthy fruit? Are we intentionally and purposefully living a lifestyle that allows us to irrigate, properly spray the trees, properly prune the trees? Are we allowing the gardener to come in and do the work he needs to do to keep our fruit healthy? That's the role of the Holy Spirit, one of his many roles. So then we are giving God the opportunity to give us more of the gifts, that we can use the gift of wisdom and knowledge. When he gives us the gift of faith for healing, we know how to pray for people, that we know how to use the miraculous powers of the gift that he would give us, or that we could discern spirits, or we could have tongues and interpretations, and we would know how to use the gifts in a way that benefits and builds up the body, that we're not doing anything to build us up, or me, it's to build up the body of Christ. And with that then comes a healthy, productive, growing church, a church that is ready and looking for the return of Jesus. Father, I just come to you now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you to search my heart. I ask you, Lord, to be a good gardener of my life today. And I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm giving you the the authority to come in and prune the branches in my life that maybe aren't producing spiritual fruit. And I know it might hurt. It might intimidate. It might stretch me a little bit. But Father, I want the best. And then I want you to be able to trust me with the gifts that you would give me, that I would have my spiritual life matured enough that when you give me a gift, that I would be wise in how I use it, that I would seek all that you have, that I can be the most productive member of this body, that I can be the most productive member in the kingdom, that I can lead others to Jesus. praise your name. I thank you, Father. I thank you for your love for us that is so amazing and unconditional. I thank you for the good gifts that you give us. I just praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Would you stand with me this morning and let's just sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing and let's just worship him for a minute before we go home.
Father, that is our prayer today. That we would give you our hearts and we'd give you our soul and we'd give you all that we have that we can ask you to have your way within us today. Grow a good crop, I pray. Grow healthy fruit in this church, I pray. Grow healthy families in this church. Healthy members that would grow into our community and bring others to Jesus. Lord, help us to really, truly, intentionally focus on growing our life and asking you for the great gifts that you would have for us. I thank you for that. And I just pray blessings on us today as we exercise this freedoms in our life to worship you and to serve you wholeheartedly. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today.